0: Our Lord and our God, we firmly believe that you are here, that you see us, that you hear us. We adore you with profound reverence. We ask your pardon for our sins, the grace to make this time of prayer fruitful. Good evening, my friends. Um, you know We have a lot going on. I've had a lot going on in my mind trying to figure out uh, what to talk about. Uh, tonight, uh, we've had some challenging uh, Sunday readings recently. Really, I think it seems, at least uh, to me, about uh, the difficult road of discipleship uh, that our that our faith journeys. Uh, well, alas, is asked of us, but much is given to us, of course. Uh, and then I was realized well, of course, today we have 9/11. Um, this is a terrible day in our country's history, uh, where freedom itself was attacked. And so uh, many still suffering, uh, all of us still suffering as a result of that terrible uh, day 18 years ago. And, and I was trying to figure out what would be a good uh, way to kind of talk about some of these things, combine them and try to address them. And uh, just my prayer, uh, I don't know if I was being lazy or not because I did this talk two years ago, um, but uh, really uh, Mother Teresa came on my heart and I do think, uh, and Mother Teresa's feast day was last Thursday, so just, just less than a week ago. Um, and, you know, it's my day off on Thursday, and so I get to say a private mass. And I was flipping through the priest's ordo, and I just, why is she not in there? <laughs> this little book that gives us instructions on how to, uh, we'll make sure we're on the right page, and uh, she's not showing up. How is Mother Teresa not? um expected in fact ordered you must it's an obligatory memorial sort of thing uh no she was not in there took my magnificat rifling through that once again mother teresa not a word that's crickets and uh i uh i don't know i so i texted a few priest friends of mine uh where's mother teresa why are we not doing this today and uh no one seemed to know uh well I think it's still in fact it's still a mystery no priest has been able to tell me I've asked several of them and no one seems to know why she is not obligatory that we must celebrate uh, a mass in honor of mother teresa on her particular day she is on the universal calendar but not on ours uh anyway so um but she does seem to be a model saint uh for uh really all times but i think in a particular way for our time In a time when many people desire to follow Jesus, or even claim to, but they desire to follow him on their own terms. They desire to follow him without their cross, without personal cost, without sacrifice, without the sacrifice, over and over again, he asks us to pick up our cross. To love is to wish the good of the other. And Mother Teresa stands in stark contrast to the worldly view that would say otherwise. That love is about an emotion. That love is about me. No, it's about the other. Isn't this what the Lord is asking us today? To be about the other. To, uh, he's asking us this every day. Isn't this really what he's been hinting about for weeks in the lectionary? Strive, it says to enter through the narrow gate. The world tells us that the gate to heaven is wide, but the Lord says it's narrow. We must squeeze through this gate through effort and multiple, um, mainly through, great, through grace. It says strive to enter through the narrow gate for many, I tell you, will attempt to enter but will not be strong enough. A couple of Sundays ago, we had that great lesson on Humility. Do not recline at table in places of honor. Go and take the lowest place. And please, God, we meditate on the need to grow in humility. It's a counter to that base sin of pride that we all struggle with. It is that uh, foundational sin. So we struggle. If anyone comes to me without hating his father and mother, wife and children, brothers and sisters, and even his own life, he cannot be my disciple. These words continue to echo in our ears from this past Sunday. He's basically telling us the Lord is that you can love nothing or no one more than him. That this is an all in faith that he's asked us, this is an all in journey that he is uh, taking us on. So we're picking up a cross here right now, tonight, and we're following him. He's literally right there on the altar. Mother Teresa gives us this lesson. You know, as I reflected on today's uh, anniversary of 9 11, it seems like Mother Teresa, forgive me for calling her that, it's just, uh, she's our uh, she's mother in a certain sense, instead of St. Teresa of Calcutta, which seems, uh, I don't know, a little less, a little too formal. Anyway, she is Mother Teresa, anyway. Uh, but she does have a lot to teach us in regards uh, to this terrible anniversary. You know, at some point, I won't be able to say this anymore, but I think everyone here in the church uh, remembers what they were doing on that day. I know most of you are pretty young. Maybe you're still in school or something. But um, I assume everyone here can remember with great clarity. Maybe they were trying to hide some information from you if you were at school. But I can tell you exactly where I was and what I was doing. Um, We watched the towers fall. We watched the plane go into the Pentagon. We watched, well, we didn't watch, but we heard about the plane crashing in Pennsylvania. And then we saw people thousands of miles away from us cheering in the streets. And perhaps anger filled our hearts. But so interesting how in the God's divine providence in the church's lectionary, today's readings are blessed are you when people hate you The Lord calls us to rejoice and leap for joy on that day. Behold, your reward will be great in heaven. And I was reflecting, of course, preaching on that today about 9-11. And that's, well, I chose because it was a ferial day that I could pick a particular vote of mass. And I did one on the preservation of peace and justice. And these priests, we have these little private groups on Facebook and I join one, whatever. I um, and someone yesterday was asking what color should I wear purple or black and I'm like neither how about white shouldn't this be about hope because we know that the Lord has won white is the color of hope i like to focus on September 12th I like to focus on the following Sunday September 16th when every church in America was filled I'd like to focus on the unity that our country felt on September 12th. And for perhaps a few months, we've kind of gotten away from that unity, haven't we? When everyone was thinking of what is above, as Paul spoke about in today's gospel, or today's first reading, recognizing that we're all made in the image and likeness of God that there are no Greeks and Jews, no circumcised and uncircumcised, but Christ is all and in all. We were so united then. I scratched my head to try to figure out what happened. Of course, I participated in the lack of unity in some regards, but it is saints like Mother Teresa, I think, that do give me hope. Of course, our hope comes from the Lord, made heaven and earth, but she had and she has uh, the answer to uh, the problem of 9-11. And that is, of course, unconditional and even sacrificial love. Uh, Love is the answer. Who was Mother Teresa? Well, we know she's uh, uh, born in 1910. She's from what used to be called Yugoslavia. Her given name is Agnes. Uh, She came from a very wealthy family. They had two homes. They were financially secure until their father was murdered. A political murder, he, uh, well, he was poisoned um, at a political meeting. Yet she can sum up, she does sum up her childhood or adolescence by the following. She says, we were all very united. United, this is sounding like uh, 9-12, wasn't it? Especially after the death of my father, they were united. We lived for each other, and we made every effort to make one another happy. We were very united in a very happy family. She speaks of this childhood experience of her father's death as having such a great impact on her, her childhood, of course, but also her future mission. She says, The more you have, the more you are occupied, and the less you give. But the less you have, the freer you are. Poverty for us is a freedom. It is not mortification, a penance, she says. It is joyful freedom. There is no television here. There's no this, no that. But we are perfectly happy. So beautiful that in Luke's uh, version of the Beatitudes that we had at today's Mass, uh, he says, blessed are the poor. Not the poor in spirit, but blessed are the poor. For in a certain sense, they're blessed because they, uh, well, they got to rely on the Lord. They don't have stuff. So they're blessed, the kingdom of God is yours. She speaks about, a pre, about having no television. I assume, assume she's speaking about the convent. There are no televisions, you know. Uh, and this is not a brag, but I don't have time for TV. I almost never watch TV unless sports, you know, I do watch Notre Dame, of course. But anyway, there's other things I do watch when I can. I try to catch up on the news uh, while I'm eating lunch or having a quick breakfast. Um, I do try to stay in contact, but I simply don't have time. Does this make me less relevant? I have no idea. (laughs) I don't have a lot to talk about at the water coolers, but you know, we don't have a water cooler here, so it's okay. Um, Maybe I'm unrelatable, I don't know, but I can tell you one thing, I'm definitely happier than when I used to spend hours and hours each week watching television. I can tell you the people in Peru that I visited, they don't have, well, they do have TVs. Americans send them TVs, but they don't have power. They sit there on the shelf. And they are, well, I suppose they sometimes they tap into the local utility and watch a soccer game, but they're almost never watching TV and they're losing nothing. You know, her childhood also taught her the importance of, fam- I'm not telling you not to watch TV. <laughs> Don't take that away. I am telling you to, uh, that it can be too much sometimes. Anyway, uh, childhood also taught her the importance of family. And I think 9-11 can uh, remind us to go and hug a loved one, not just family, but friends. Uh, love begins at home, she says, and it is not how much we do, but how much we love, how much love we put in the action that we do. I want you to find the poor here, right in your own home first, and begin love there. You know, I think sometimes we have, we feel like we have to do extraordinary things. We have to go to extraordinary places. We have to go to Haiti or something. We have to go and go. Uh, you know, work with the trash people, whatever it is down in Mexico City, but uh, no, love begins at home. And if we don't love our family, if we don't love those that are closest to us, can we really love those we don't know? You know, one time she was uh, in a gathering of people, as was often the case, and uh, she would take questions, and someone was just so inspired by her. She said, how can I be more like you? And she thought for a moment, and she said, go find your own Calcutta. Don't be Mother Teresa. Be Susie or Jimmy. Be somebody. Be you. And find your own Calcutta. There are Calcuttas in our own families. There are Calcuttas in our own workplaces, in our friend groups. There are people in each of our lives that are calling out, seeking the love and mercy of God. And the Lord is calling us to be his hands and his feet to be his ears and his mouthpieces. Go find your own Calcutta. You know, there's a terrible hunger for love, she says. We all experience that in our lives, the pain, the loneliness. We must have the courage to recognize it. The poor you may have right in your own family. Find them and love them. Let's remember our family, of course, is our blood relatives, but it's also uh, those that are close to us, our friends, our co-workers, our neighbors. She says, I want you to be concerned about your next-door neighbor. Do you know your next-door neighbor? We don't. (laughs) I wouldn't either if I lived in one of these apartments. You just come by, you walk by a closed door every day. You know What a great question. Do we know our next-door neighbor? Do we even notice the people we walk here on the streets of Clarence? Do we notice them? And I'm not just talking about the homeless person we step over. I'm talking about the other young adults, the other people that we pass each day. Are we looking at our phones? Are we giving people a little head nod? You don't have to be a weird about it, right? No, I know no one says hello. I don't know how that happened, but uh, we don't tend to do that. But you can smile at someone. You can give them a little head nod, and you know, just something like that may change their day. Say hello uh, to the person in the elevator when you enter. If we have no peace, it is because we have forgotten that we belong to each other. What a beautiful reality. She really understands human nature. We belong to each other. We are social beings by nature. We are made for our community. Community is a means to peace. The Lord uses each of us to help us find greater levels of intimacy and peace. Christ is peace. If you are a member of St. Charles, you should be entering one of our small communities of faith. If you are not a member of St. Charles, you should be starting these small communities, these small groups in your own parish with other young adults, because this is where you will go deep. You will not just encounter the Lord Uh, in uh, the word or in the prayer, but you will encounter them in the other. And you will find greater levels of joy. Her childhood helped her understand that the greatest poverty isn't material poverty, but spiritual poverty. It's loneliness. It's the feeling of being unwanted. And if that is all we knew about Mother Teresa, that would be enough. But we know there is so much more. You know, her family lived right next to Sacred Heart Church. Her mother and sisters were often there in prayer and service. She, uh, well, since the beginning, a uh, very young age, she started to feel that tug to something deeper, to religious life, and to the missions, ultimately. And later she did answer the call. We know she had the call within a call. First she started with uh, the uh, nuns of Laredo and then she, uh, this Our Lady of Laredo sisters, And then ultimately she got called to uh, serve the poor in an extraordinary way. The poorest of the poor. Called her to a vocation within a vocation to trust. And this is, uh, she's older than most of you at this point. She's 36 and it took her a couple years uh, to get permission to uh, be released of her vows so she could begin this religious order. So at age 38 she leaves the convent. She changed her outfit, she puts on the, the outfit of the poor of India, this white sari, and then she had the strip of white on it, or excuse me, blue on it, uh, for her desire to imitate, of course, the Blessed Mother, and she serves the poor. The poorest of the poor, and others followed her. She formed the Missionaries of Charity in 1950 at the age of 40, and really the rest is history. For 47 years, she tirelessly served them and was an inspiration to so many. Now there are more than 5,000 missionaries of Charity Sisters, 400 brothers. There are more than 139 countries and 750 plus houses. The world was and remains really captivated by this incredible saint. So small, five feet tall, but larger than life, really. Bigger than life in reality. What is so captivating about her life is... So unattractive to us, perhaps. Yet I want to be like her. Cardinal Sarah, he says, Mother Teresa attracted people because a little bit of heaven had already come down into her soul. I do think that is what attracts us to her. Everyone loves Mother Teresa. Everyone loves her and her life. Her, uh, well, she attracted. Uh, well, she was pretty radically different. But also she had a gift, I think, uh, and is a very very important lesson for us in modern day society to be totally present to someone. I've heard that when she spoke to you, you really felt like you were the only one in the room. There's thousands of people there. She's talking to you and you felt like you were alone with her because her 100% of her attention was on you. Cardinal Burke, when speaking of Mother Teresa, he said, we can only love one person at a time. I would debate that a little bit, but I get his point right. And so she went out with her sisters and picked up one dying person at a time, one, and took them to the home for the dying. She would help one mother at a time, she would help one homeless person at a time, one baby at a time. This was the genius, really, of Mother Teresa, the grace of respecting each individual person. It wasn't about numbers. It was about the one person that happened to be standing before her at the time. What great wisdom. What great wisdom that she is. Yesterday is gone. She says, tomorrow has not yet come. We have only today. And so let's begin. That is the important part, isn't it? We just have to begin. The Lord will guide us. So we must begin. Get started. And learn to live in the present. I think this is a constant reminder. I have to tell myself is... Whoever's in front of you, minister to them, and then move on to the next one. A clean heart, this is a great lesson for all of us, a clean heart is a free heart. A free heart can love Christ with an undivided love and chastity, convinced that nothing and nobody will separate it from his love. Purity, chastity, and virginity created a special beauty in Mary that attracted God's attention. He showed his great love for the world by giving Jesus to her. Now, most of you are probably not called to virginity, but we're all called to chastity. And anyone who has spent any time at all with the missionaries of charity know that it's impossible, I say impossible, to be in their presence and not have a smile on your face. And these are the women that are not having sexual intimacy, yet they have found true and everlasting joy and peace. Chastity leads to freedom. This is wisdom from a giant, a five-foot giant. Mother Teresa has much to say to young adults. She has much to say to all of us. Everyone, she says, today seems to be in such a terrible rush, anxious for greater developments and greater riches and so on, so that children have very little time for their parents. Parents have very little time for each other, and in the home begins the disruption of peace. the world. We are. Every last one of us, myself included, are too busy. And that is why sometimes we lack peace. You know, there's a great story about um, Mother Teresa, of course, in the streets of Calcutta. She's with her sister, and uh, she comes up to this group of sisters. Oh, we must pray our holy hour. In other words, we must do what you guys have been doing. We've got to pray this holy hour, And one sister after another said, oh, mother, we have this to do. We have to, I'm about to help with this man here. uh, He's uh, dying. I got to go, blah, blah. They they just started listing all these incredible uh, acts of mercy that they were in the midst of doing. And she paused and you see she was thinking. And then she said, okay, then we must pray two holy hours. Because she recognized that without the Lord, their work was Nothing. Without the Lord, this, this acts of mercy would fail. You know, she modeled St. Uh, Therese in so many beautiful ways. In fact, she was named after St. Therese. You might think St. Teresa of Avila, but someone was already named Therese, but she took the Spanish translation, so she is uh, named after St. Therese, the little flower, but uh, has the Teresa as the name. But she models us, uh, St. Therese in her simplicity, in her way in a certain sense. Be faithful in small things. Because it is in them that your strength lies. Every time you smile at someone, it is an act of love, a gift to that person, a beautiful thing. You know, it's hard for people like me and Father Don. We have uh, well, non-smiling faces. Let's just use that term instead of the one he likes to use. But uh, yeah, we're not always smiling. It takes an uh, act of uh, grace in order for uh, smiles to get on our face sometimes. But we ought like to be smiling. Uh, to each other. Guys does not want uh, your ability, she said. He wants your availability. He can use our gifts, of course, and he does, but more importantly, he wants our time. He wants our availability. We ought to be available to each other. She is an incredibly humble woman, or was, And uh, she said, as I'm sure this is a familiar quote, "I'm a little pencil in the hand of a, of a writing God who is sending a love letter to, the world." And she came up with the 15 ways of growing in humility, or 15 ways of living out humility that she, uh, had uh, for all her sisters. But I think there's very good lessons for all of us here. Uh, She wanted us to keep a low spiritual center of gravity. Someone said I was reading recently. when I was uh, reading up on humility, that uh, the gate to heaven is low. In order to get through that gate into heaven, we have to make ourselves small. She began by saying, speak as little as possible about yourself. And I noticed when I read that, I realized the last four of my talks were all about me. It was kind of a humbling experience to read that. Anyway, speak a little less about yourself, Father Dyer. Uh, keep busy with your own affairs and not the affairs of others avoid curiosity and gossip it's interesting a lot of the saints speak when they speak about uh, growing humility speak about curiosity kind of being the beginning of growing in pride curiosity after all killed the cat do not interfere with the affairs of others accept irritations with good humor do not dwell on the faults of others accept punishments and difficulties even if unmerited. You know, this gets hard as you go down this list, doesn't it? Give in to the will of others and not your own will. Accept insults and injuries. I'm horrible at that. Accept being forgotten and disregarded. Be courteous, even when provoked by someone. Do not seek to be admired, praised, or loved. Who does not want to be loved? Pray that line of humility. That's another difficult prayer. Do not protect yourself behind your own dignity. Give in during discussions even when you're right. I don't think I've done that even once. (laughs) Choose always the more difficult path, the more difficult task. You know, her life was not easy. We know now about her 50 years of darkness. We know now that for 50 years she did not feel the presence of God. Our prayer life cannot be simply about consolation. It cannot simply be about feelings. We ought to be going to the Lord to encounter him and not some warm fuzzy. And sometimes we go through these dark times in our spiritual journeys, but as long as we continue to seek him, he will draw us through uh, these dark places. Mother Teresa lived in a spiritual desert, panicked that God had rejected her, or worse, that he was there in the dark hiding from her as if by some strange formula, the greater her success and public adulation, the more abandoned, humiliated, and desperate she felt. But now we know that in her secret life was a living hell, yet she was filled with joy. She was a wonderful, well, she had a wonderful uh, uh, wit about her. She was very funny. I know God will not give me anything I can't handle, she rightly believed. I just wish that He didn't trust me so much. You know, there's this great story. She was praying uh, before the Most Blessed Sacrament in one of her chapels uh, somewhere in the world, and a bishop was with her. And she is in this dark time of her life, this 50 years of, of emptiness. And she's literally glowing before the Most Blessed Sacrament. This bishop is looking at us like, holy cow. is like, this is amazing. I'm li- literally with a saint who is having such a powerful prayer experience that she's lighting up. And she turns to him and says, I feel nothing. I feel nothing. Yet she continued to persevere in joy. Imagine having to get through your life without Uh, any sort of consolation. Please, God, we all get consolation. They're the beautiful things that keep us going sometimes. But sacrifice, to be real, must cost, she said, must hurt, and must empty ourselves. Give yourselves fully to God. He will use you, this is a wonderful quote, he will use you to accomplish great things on the condition that you believe much more in his love than in your own weakness. My friends, we better believe in God's love because if we don't, we have nothing. Do we believe in God's love for you and for me? Then he can uh, do great things through us. Do we believe that his love can overcome our weakness, our shortcomings? You know, Mother Teresa did believe in the Eucharist and she spent many hours in front of it. And at every one of her chapels, she had eye thirst next to the crucifix, recognizing that the lord thirsts for her she thirsts he thirsts for you and he is right now in this monstrance thirsting for all of us he right there is the answer to all of our questions he is the answer to all that pond all that we ponder each day and so it really edifies me to see so many of you uh you know kneeling before him uh offering him your prayers of gratitude your prayers of love not seeking um Your laundry list of asks, but simply loving the Lord, being in his presence in a sacrificial moment of grace. May God be praised and reward you for your generosity. Amen.